Good morning from St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church in Goshen, Indiana. Today is Sunday, July 14, 2019, the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Today, Father Royce Gregerson challenges us to see the parable of the Good Samaritan in a new light. Are you ready for Christ to heal the broken areas of your life? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel today, we encounter a very familiar story, the story of the Good Samaritan. And we're used to hearing about this story and reflecting on how we are called to be that Good Samaritan to others, how we're called to look at the world around us and see those who are suffering in need of our help and go out of our way to show the love of Christ to them. But I want to think about this story in a little different way today, following one of the fathers of the church, St. John Chrysostom, who read this story very differently. Chrysostom looked at the Good Samaritan and saw not just a story of moral instruction, but a lesson about the whole condition of humankind. He sees the man coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho and observes that Jerusalem is a city that's built up on a mountain. It represents the the moral uh, strength of the person, of the humanity as we were created in grace. Adam and Eve created in friendship with God. And then Jericho is 825 feet below sea level. So when Luke says that the man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he means it literally. It's literally 825 feet below sea level versus significantly above sea level. Uh, Jericho was the lowest city in Palestine, the lowest place you could get. So uh, Chrysostom sees there this descent of man created in grace, created in friendship with God, who through sin falls, falls sometimes to the lowest places imaginable. He fell among robbers. Mankind apart from God is beset by a band of demonic powers led by the ruler of this age. Those robbers are the serpent in the garden and the allies of the devil who continue to afflict believers with temptation um, and with uh, the influence of the devil. They stripped him of his garments. That garment that he stripped of is the robe of immortality that we were meant to have, that we were born with. Um, That immortality, those other gifts of perfect knowledge, perfect control of our bodies uh, that man and woman were originally created with, that were lost through sin. So we're stripped of those garments. Um, They departed the robbers, leaving him half dead. So man in sin, having Adam and Eve, having lost that original friendship with God because of their sin, are reduced to a kind of half-life on this earth, subject to sin and death. Um, We are only half alive because of sin. We do not have that perfect life that we were meant to have. God meant us for so much more than what we experience here on this earth. It happened that a priest and a Levite came that way, but passed by on the other side. So Chrysostom sees here the priest and the Levite standing for the people of Israel, for the Jewish people, uh, who had received so much from the Lord, being chosen as the people of the promise, but didn't reach out to the others around them. They They didn't evangelize. They didn't share the gifts of God with those around them. And how often is that us, too, having received so much? Uh, from Christ, especially through his church, and not seeking to share that with those around us. 
But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. You'll probably recall that the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. Uh, They were Jewish people who had fallen into kind of patterns of pagan worship, had adopted lots of customs of the people around them, and they had this kind of mix of Judaism and paganism. Um, to kind of simplify at least there. But Christ, who is not from this world at one point in the scriptures, is accused of being a Samaritan. Uh, So we can see there this identification uh, that Luke is moving us to in the gospel, this identification of Jesus with the good Samaritan, with that compassionate stranger. Jesus doctors mankind by his teachings, symbolic of which are the bandages, which with the good Samaritan wraps up the wounds of the victim, representing Jesus' teachings. The oil that he pours on the wounds, kind of ancient equivalent of Neosporin, is his anointing with the Holy Spirit. And the Eucharist is the wine by which he begins our healing. So then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. That lifting him onto his own animal, usually portrayed as a donkey or a mule, is symbolic to how Christ joined mankind to himself. He took on human nature. He went looking for us. He drew us to himself by himself becoming man, just as the good Samaritan picks the victim up and places him on his own animal and walks on foot. He brings him to the inn, which is symbolic of the hospital of the church. And he continues to minister to him there as the divine physician, just as Jesus calls us to his church and desires to continue healing our wounds here. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, take care of him. So just as the good Samaritan entrusted the victim to the care of the innkeeper, so does our Lord entrust us to the care of the church and specifically to the care of the apostles who that innkeeper uh, represents, the apostles and their successors who are the bishops within the Catholic Church to whom the Lord has left power in his stead. That's how John Chrysostom reads this parable, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful and interesting uh, take on this passage. But what if it's not just about humanity in general? What if it's actually about each and every one of us? Have we not gone down at times from the Jerusalem where we started with our baptism into the abyss of sin? Have we not been left often half dead at the side of the road by our world because of sin, because of the world's indifference to us. And we do we not so often long for someone to come and pick us up, to take us to the end where the wounds caused by life can be healed. There's a problem. While so many of us long to be healed, we're often not willing to be healed. We live in a culture that says that you need to be capable of taking care of yourself. You need to be strong. You need to be self-reliant. We live in a culture that rejects weakness. And that makes it difficult for us to expose those wounds, those wounded areas of our lives to the divine physician. The wounds of the injured traveler need to be cleansed. They didn't have rubbing alcohol or neosporin or various other things. They had wine and oils. He he uses wine, pours it on the wound to cleanse it. 
that hurts, right? Any, any mother who's cleaned up, you know, the scraped knee of her child knows that the child recoils from, you know, having the rubbing alcohol rubbed on there. Um, but it's necessary, right? Because otherwise the wound is going to get infected. And so, too, opening up those wounded areas of our lives to our Lord, it hurts, right? It hurts having to expose that, having that, that, that even that cleansing, which is vital to our health, hurts, but we still need to do that. We have to open up those wounds to the Lord in order for them to be healed. We do that through prayer. Um, our culture says that weakness is bad, but the Lord tells St. Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. We have to be willing to share those, those difficult parts of our lives with the Lord and ask for his healing. We also share them, of course, through confession. This is where, this is one of those times where it stings. We're cleansing the wound stings, and that's, that's a reality um, uh, of confession, that it, it can be difficult to expose those, those things that we're not, you know, proud of in our lives, this, those areas where we really do need the Lord's healing so that they don't become infected and, and keep getting worse. Maybe they already have, and we need to, to, you know, the doctor needs to lance the wound and drain it and then, you know, start, start to cleanse it. So that can be a difficult process, especially if it's been a long time. But the wound will never be healed unless it's opened, unless it's treated. We remember, too, that the man was entrusted to the care of the innkeeper. It's like Jesus entrusts us to the care of the church to whom he has given this power to forgive sins, this power to act as the divine physician, to heal the wounds that exist in our soul through that beautiful sacrament of confession. I think it's also important that we be willing to, to open these wounds to others as well course that takes the virtue of prudence um, has to be done in the right way with the right people in an environment of trust and confidentiality but we need to be able to talk to others uh, about the, the the wounds that exist in our lives we need someone to walk with us on the path of life to share those sufferings with us to be there to console us and that could be tough again that that means revealing our own weaknesses to someone else that's something that i don't think we do nearly enough of it's also important share, being willing to share those weaknesses with others because so many of us have incredible stories about the ways that God has healed those wounds in our lives, ways that we can bear witness to others of the healing power of God's love. I want to share with you one such story today that, that really interestingly parallels John Chrysostom's uh, reading of the Good Samaritan story of someone who was kind of left for half dead by the world. Her name is Leah Darrow. Uh, she's a real story about a real person uh, with a real name. You can, you can look it up if you want. Some of you might even already know it. Leah was from a small town in Oklahoma, uh, from a simple, good Catholic family. Um, but there was something special about her. She was arrestingly beautiful. She's very, very pretty. Um, and she was, you know, she'd be the homecoming queen and uh, was, you know, everybody, you know, in town looked at, would look up to this girl and they knew who she was. She was kind of, you know, the small town beauty. Um, so there came the chance to uh, get, get on this uh, TV show, America's Next Top Model. And she went to the auditions and she was accepted and she got on the show. And uh, she didn't win, but she made it to the final rounds and did really well on the show. It was Everybody's very impressed with this, you know, kind of cute down-home Oklahoma girl who was doing really well on this, on this show. And uh, so agents, you know, started to contact her, 
you know, and they invited her to move to New York and, and start doing more modeling gigs on a regular basis and do photo shoots and all those kinds of things. That was her Jericho, right? She started in this, this good, wholesome family environment, and, and before you know it, the world, world is pulling her towards uh, something that, that's not building her up as a daughter of God. Um, so she started out, you know, she's, so I'm going to do this modeling thing, but I'm going to try to, you know, maintain this kind of wholesome, modest image. And she was doing that and being successful. But, uh, of course, that wasn't enough, you know, for her agents and for the photographers and everything else, right? You know, they start uh, trying to convince her to wear more revealing and immodest outfits. They uh, start convincing her to strike more, you know, suggestive poses in her, in her photography and such, such sorts of things. And they're, they're pulling her farther into that. But she's looking for approval. You know, she had this great desire, like, like all of us do, right, for acceptance and love from others. And she's away from her family. She doesn't have that support that she's always had. So that's the approval. That's the support that, the support that she's getting is from these people around her. A similar thing was happening, uh, happening in, in her relationships with men. She was dating, and uh, she'd even uh, moved in with her boyfriend at one point, which she knew was wrong. She, she was raised to know that was wrong. Um, but she was desperate for approval, desperate for companionship, and she was afraid that she would lose him, right? That, that, that he would, you know, go away, be, cease to be interested in her unless she gave him what he wanted. Um, so she moved in with him. At one point, they were at a party together, and um, he kind of thought that she was out of earshot, but she overheard him talking to his friends, and they were asking him how their relationship was going, how, how are things with, with you and, and Leah, and uh, he said, yeah, you, things, are, things are going great. Uh, it's pretty much an ideal situation. You know, I'm leasing with an option to buy. Uh, it's, it's pretty perfect, you know, and uh, she heard him. She heard him, and she realized in that moment, that's not what love's all about. Love is about a complete and total gift of oneself to another. It's about commitments. I deserve better than that. And she did. She did deserve better than that. She deserved to be treated as a person, not as a commodity, to be loved in a faithful, fully committed relationship. And you know, if there's any ladies out there who are also being pressured by a boyfriend, by a fiancé, to give him everything that he wants out of your relationship without giving you what's most important, real, committed love, you deserve better too. So a few days later, she was in a photo shoot and they're, they're pushing her even more, you know, to, to, to be seductive, to be, you know, et cetera. And um, she has this moment it's an interesting parallel to the, the collect prayer at the beginning of Mass today, that the Lord reveals the light of his truth to those who go astray to call them back to the right path. She had that moment. She had that realization, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't making me happy. I deserve better than this. And not just that she didn't want to do modeling anymore. She didn't want to do sin anymore, the way I heard her explain it one time. So she left the photo shoot, she walked back to her boyfriend's apartment, and she did what any young woman ought to do when she wants to be loved unconditionally, completely. She called her dad. And men, that's why your love of your children is so important. You have the chance to make credible to them what the scripture says about God loving us like a father. That'll only be credible if you live it.
that's what she did. She called her dad. Now, her dad is a simple Oklahoma farmer. He didn't have the money for a last-minute plane ticket from Oklahoma to New York City. So he dropped everything, and he got in his car, and he started driving. 24 hours and 1,500 miles later, he was there, and he picked her up. And just like the Good Samaritan took that wounded traveler to the end, that man took his wounded daughter to Jesus. He took her to church, gave her the chance to pour out her heart to the Lord, to ask for his grace, to ask for his forgiveness in the sacrament of confession so that she could make a new start. Leah is now married to the kind of man that she deserves, and they have four wonderful children, and she's a nationally recognized speaker on chastity and modesty. She's not afraid to tell people about the woundedness that she experienced in the way that God came looking for her to transform her life. In the Good Samaritan story, we don't get any names, but we do get some descriptions of some people. There's the Levite, the priest, the Samaritan, the innkeeper. And then there's that wounded man. All we get is a man. That's it. Only description we've got. A man. St. Luke intentionally leaves that ambiguous so that you can see yourself as that man. So we can see ourselves as those who've been ravaged by the powers of sin and the weight of earthly living. Just as the Good Samaritan, unexpected and unhoped for, came into his life and generously gave of himself to care for that poor man, not because he deserved it or because he earned it, but because he loved him, so too does Christ desire to pour the oil of his Holy Spirit and the healing balm of the Eucharist into your life. To experience the healing power of his love, you must be willing to open up the bandage. You must open it to him in prayer. You must open it to him in confession. You must open it to him and your brothers and sisters. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us today at St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church. Today's sermon was given by Father Royce Gregerson, pastor at St. John's. More sermons as well as Mass and Confession times can be found on our website, stjohncatholic.com. That's S-T for Saint, stjohncatholic.com. Stay connected by liking our page on Facebook. You can find us by searching for St. John Goshen. If you'd like to learn more about the Catholic Church or the Catholic faith, please call our church office at 574-533-3385. The music for today's podcast is Salve Regina, arranged and performed by James Richardson, St. John's Director of Sacred Music.